welcome back to Life MMA in the NBA. I'm your host, uh, DJ San Marco. Uh, as I said, it is a huge night uh, on the show because we have somebody uh, very special coming on. Uh, somebody that uh, is uh, somebody I would call the, the Tom Brady of reality TV and docuseries analysis. I think that's a fitty, pretty fair characterization. Wow. And uh, she, <laughs> she is none other than... Welcome back to another episode of Reality Life with Kate Casey. Hope that you had a great week. <laughs> so, so party people, please put your hands together <laughs> for, for uh, Westchester, PA's own. Oh boy, yes. Kate Casey. Can I just tell you when I hear it's raining, men, it fires. It fires me up in a way I can't even explain. I have been performing that at every wedding for approximately 20 years, maybe. It's like people just look for, they start the music, and I could be in the corner, and then it's like a spotlight is on me, and then, like, someone will just hand me a microphone. I have destroyed weddings. I have enhanced the wedding. It's been varied, but that song, and so my, my birthday one year, my husband threw me a surprise party. No, it wasn't a surprise. I showed up in a costume. He threw me a party, but he had this 80s band come, and they never let anybody perform with them, and they let me sing that with them, and it was like a high achievement. And then that band went on to win the gong show. Nice. What? Yeah. Oh. What's their name? What band is it? Is it, Do they wear the, the suits? The Fla- uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fla- no, they wore, yeah. like, meatball huggers with afros and tank tops, and they're called flash pants. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> And then, then they came back a year later and played at my husband's Christmas party for his company. And it was like, Mercury's rising. And then it was like, they just leaned forward and handed me the microphone. And I, uh, and I didn't know I was pregnant either. And I was wasted. And, um, let me just tell you, it was a night of dreams. I love it. I love it, man. You know, I, I always said if I could have an all Jewish band in high school, I would have called it a flock of bagels. But, oh, um, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> That'd be so yeah. I would like a band, and I'd like to call it um, Visceral Taco. What? That is awesome. You're going to tell me yes. there's not a band in the San Fernando Valley no. named that? No. Come on. That is crazy, man. <laughs> Welcome to Kate Reality Life with Kate Casey's host, uh, the amazing Kate Casey. It's such an honor to have you, Kate. Uh, and, Thank you. And so I didn't know you were a performer. Like you're willing to so sober, oh, you would do this. Yeah, 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 yeah. I have had many people in my day. They say this. <laughs> are you are in cocaine? I'm like, I've actually never done a done a drug in my life. And they're like, that is. Um, there was one night where my friends uh, invited me to a military ball. I'm invited to a lot of parties that I crash. I have crashed St. Joachim's Catholic school party. I. <laughs> Next thing I know, Sister Kathleen's asking me to announce the raffle winners. Like, I just show up. Places, you don't know these. <laughs> and, and people are like, do your kids go to school here? And I'm like, no, they don't. I don't know how this happened. But um, I got invited to a military ball in San Diego. And I call it the night of the unfortunate karaoke incident because the band let me sing with them. And I did this sort of karate kick off the stage. <laughs> And I landed, and then I couldn't get back up. Nice. And I had a black and blue angle for quite some time for it, but it was worth it. Oh, my God. Imagine the joy and entertainment you brought everyone. I do. Like, you bring up a good point because 
I do feel like I live in two different vortex where I'm like, I can be so serious about something, but people should know that I'm ridiculous. Like I am <laughs> ridiculous. Like I will do the craziest stuff. Yeah. I had a whole series of photos for a long time where I would imitate celebrity photos and put their outfits on like mimic, like Kim Kardashian's outfits. But then I was a bummer because then I found out this Australian comedian named Celeste Barber mm-hmm. was doing them too, but she went viral and I didn't. So then people would oh. troll, troll me and say, like, you're, you're like ripping hers off. But I actually did it before her, but she went viral and I did it. So now I'm like, I'm not going to do it anymore. But I am ridiculous. I know people think I'm super serious. I'm actually not. To the extent uh-huh. that you would appear in a podcast with a host that has a tie-dye dress shirt. Exactly. I, I was accused exactly. by yes. Will of raiding Bill Walton's closet, which I didn't. I and it wouldn't even fit me, even if I did, Bill. But I would go see the dead with him, or Crosby, Stills and Nash, or anything like that. Uh, but yeah, so um, this is really interesting because I would have had no idea that you were a performer, that you would stand up in front of. Because I dream of doing that. Well, I did stand up comedy for quite, uh, for a, a little bit too. You did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would, oh. I would perform with Heather McDonald. Oh my god! I and had you know what's no weird? I I tell people I'm missing a chip in my head <laughs> where, like, I don't care about speaking. Like, I'm so ready at all times to public speak. Um, like to the point where I would go to church and I'd be like judging the priest. I'm like, <laughs> I'm better than that guy. <laughs> Like, I can like, do that. Like this, this blows. I gotta blow this taco stand. So yeah, when I was in college, Trinity I, University's own. It's, it's actually Trinity College. Trinity College's own. From the Kate Trinity Casey. College, and I was asked to speak at the Democratic Caucus. I'm like 20 years old, okay. <laughs> And so that's when all the Democratic con- congressmen and senators meet on stage and they talk about their. So I'm on C-SPAN, Sam Donaldson's in the back of the room, and I'm one of the speakers. And I went up, my mom almost shit her pants because I'm next to Senator Kennedy. Oh my God, And Ted Senator Kennedy. R- Rockefeller. Now, Nancy Sweet. Pelosi, who went to my college, she's over on the other side, and so is Barbara Kennelly, who is also a Trinity grad and... Um, was a congressman from Connecticut. So anyway, I go up and I give my speech and I walked up like I own the place. <laughs> I was like, what's up? And I, I remember I opened with a joke. I said, I called my teacher professor this morning. I told her I wouldn't, why I wouldn't be in class. And I gotta tell you, I think she thought I was lying. So She's you guys all, you guys <laughs> all have to back me up. That, that's Kate Casey. <laughs> and I said, you guys have to back me up. And then like everyone laughed. And my mom was like, you just killed at a democratic caucus like what so anyway long story short is if there is an audience like i'm there i was actually watching the news tonight i was watching the impeachment Mm -hmm. trial Mm -hmm. and i was judging them i was judging them i was like what kind of performance is this shit i could have like i could have killed it Anyway, Kate, I, 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 I'm going I, way off topic. You guys are like, no, this is no, a no. This is this is where we wanted to go. We I, wanted to. Way, I'm not saying I'm like I'm like I'm not being braggadocious. I'm just saying this. I know my lane. I can't build a piece of furniture to save my life. Can't do it. I don't have the patience. I don't want to do it. I don't want to sit and play Barbies. Not my alley. I know where my lane is, 
And that's all I'm saying. <laughs> I, I, I'll Karaoke and public speaking. She, you know what, DJ? Kate is, she's she's blonde and Caucasian, and I'm Chinese Mexican and not blonde, but we may have been separated at birth with some of these things. That you know what? She's I salute up. that. I salute that. <laughs> Nick, Nick, are you ready right now to vote for Kate for literally any office? <laughs> Yeah, oh my god can you believe, by the way can you believe i went to college and i actually thought i'd run for office my husband like, uh, yes yes worst. he's like you would be the worst politician because you would have no filter i'm like i disagree i feel like i can rein it in when i need to but i would do the smack down in a way that other people i wouldn't be as nice like, listen, I'm glad my kids are not on this call because I got to tell you, they would tell you a different story. They'd be like, my mom is so freaking mean. And I, and I am. I am. But there was a time where I thought, God, I would just be like killing it in like senator position, like senatorial position or some, like president. But then I was like, my parents are so weird. That would not probably work out. Oh, the, the story of your dad was I, I was debating whether or not to bring that up because <laughs> Kate on her podcast was talking about Alec Baldwin's wife had decided that she's from Spain. And so Kate uh, related the story about her dad. Would would you be willing to share that story? Because it was so funny. So my father's name is Paul. William of Paul. He's been Paul his whole life. Well, I didn't see him from the time I was very little. Like, I maybe saw him two times from the time I was born until I was like three. And then I didn't see him until my sister tracked him down when I was... 33 years old oh wow so my sister's like found him nailed it let's go meet him i'm like i don't know about this but she convinced me to go to philadelphia and it was a shit show of epic proportions he looked like the unabomber and he's crazy <laughs> <as shit. laughs> the kicker is he has now reinvented himself as liam because remember his name's william paul but now he's really like very t he feels very proud of his irish uh, ancestry. So my grandmother's family was from England. My gr uh, my dad's is from Ireland. But like generations ago. <laughs> and this dude is now going by Liam and surprise to us he has an Irish accent. My sister, <laughs> oh, awesome. daughter, we were like Hello Katie! What? <laughs> what? And he's like he takes us to the library. He throws out all these photos and he's like showing us all these pictures of Ireland. I'm like where am I in all these pictures? He did not have any pictures of me at all. Like at all. He like thought that was normal. Which now in hindsight, I'm like, because I did an episode where I interviewed him for about an hour and people wrote me back, they're like, I think your dad's on the spectrum. I'm like, maybe. <laughs> like that actually that makes a lot of sense because he doesn't understand social cues. Like we talk for a half hour or no, like an hour. And I said, do you, are you interested in knowing anything about me? Like where I went to school, what I studied, what I like to eat. And he's like, uh-huh. But then never asked any questions. So anyway, that could be a point. But anyway, long story short is he now goes by the name Liam. <laughs> and he, so my husband finally meets him and he's telling me stories. And my sister was married at the time. My brother-in-law's like, this dude's crazy. I'm like, yeah, buckle up, buddy. <laughs> okay. So he's over there with my husband who is my husband is like the nicest person that walked the earth so there he's looking at a computer and he's explaining to him that he was involved with the irish peace process and that he was in a oh no and then he said let me play this for you and then he puts in because this is back in the day when you could actually put a disc in your computer and he starts <laughs> playing this dot he's like well this is a documentary about the irish peace process and then i hear the voice of bono 
Bono <laughs> is narrating this documentary, and then my father says, you can hear his voice, and he's talking about being in a tower when it was bombed. I'm like, this dude is lying in a fucking documentary. <laughs> so I said, you were, not, were you actually in the tower? And then Dan says, were you in the tower? And he winks at him. He goes, it's just Hollywood. No, it's a documentary. No, it is. <laughs> it's a documentary. It documents yeah. pieces of history. It's just like, it's like nonstop with him. And I'm like, oh my God. He tells people he went to boarding school in Galway. I said, you went to Radnor High or Great Valley High School. In PA. Mal- Malvern, Pennsylvania. Because it's a track picture. Okay? So I just. No, it's, to- it's not true, kids. It's not true, I tell you. It's not. I mean, I couldn't play you here. He like leaves me voicemails constantly in this with this Irish brogue, and it's just like at this point I'm like whatever. I love it. Can I? uh, There's one other story that I I don't know if I was going to squeeze this into the housewives conversation, so I want to just get it out there now because I was nearly crying when Kate described this. (laughs) Basically, she describes being in a restaurant. I don't know if it was in Newport or not, and one of the new housewives of from uh, RHOC. Was oh, I believe it was Miss uh, Miss uh, um, I can't remember her name now Elizabeth, Elizabeth Vargas, right? Yeah. And supposedly she's working the room, and you're describing how she's working the room like she's sort of a Hollywood star, and she hasn't even appeared on film yet. Uh, and that uh, hey, you know what? It, but it reminded me of Megan Sylvester and Megan Gardner in college. How they would walk into the Irish Times and they would do this trick, and it was such a killer trick. I, I really recommend this to all single people. Okay. They would walk into the Irish Times and they would go watch this, and they would go in and just pretend that they were like hey, waving at people, <laughs> and they're like, "Dudes love this. Dudes love it. They think that we're like so hot." And they were right because they've been like, they walk in, they'd be like, "Hey." <laughs> What's up? To nobody, no one. But then guys were like, "Oh my god, these girls are cool." It reminded me of that. I was like, because she was like, "Hey, what's up? What's up?" And no one was like, everyone was like, "Who is she?" Like I don't know. So it was pretty funny. But the tie-in. Remember the tie-in about her and the tech industry and oh your husband's god. company. So we that that's that's that was the real kicker. So please. Well, I think it just kind of encapsulates the delusion of most of the women that are participatory in these shows they're cast for this reason is that i'm talking to this sweet guy that dan works uh that works for dan and he's just couldn't be nicer and he's just talking about and i've got a girlfriend i will um tell me about your girlfriend he's telling me a little bit like um are you guys gonna have kids no we're no 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 we're not gonna have kids we're not gonna have kids and then in she walks and she's like doing this thing and then he goes oh that's my girlfriend and i knew that she was the new one i went oh my god so she just came over and she just didn't ask us any questions she just was in performance mode so she's like well i've arrived i've arrived i've arrived (laughs) and so i'm in the tech industry you know i'm like what so and then so and her boyfriend says this is dan um i work for dan and i think she thought he meant like you know head of the department or something and she's like well, he, lo- he Jimmy and I are very, very involved in technology. Our careers are very important. <laughs> we are both very involved, like technology and like going on and on and on. And I was like, who are your audience, man? Like what? <laughs> walks away. And we were like, what just happened? And we just sat at the at our at our uh, table and we're like Googling. We're like looking this person up. And Dan's like, what is she talking about? It was just like, I said to him, this is what I deal with all the time. Oh, I interview people and I'm like, what? 
It's just like there's there's a missing chip to them where they don't really like ask, you know, they don't ask you any information. So you're, it's like there's no receiving on their end. It's just so transmitting it's just a, only. It's like a one-sided conversation and you're just left like, huh? It's a real life Instagram post. It would be like me like being introduced to Dak Shepard. And I was like, well, you know, I am amongst the highest tier people <laughs> in the podcast industry. He'd be like, yeah, dude, you're like, not me. So yeah, anyway. or like Joe Rogan, who just got like $100 million yeah, to go to Spotify. Like <laughs> yeah. Oh, Mr. Rogan, I've never met you, but I'm yeah. enormous hit. <laughs> I'm, I'm a big an enormous star. hit. I'm a big star. Yeah. <laughs> I, so I I was going to go. All right. So if you would, just just a little bit. I'm sorry. A little bit about your, your history. You do come from Westchester, PA, and yeah. you um, – were you a field hockey player? I know you played oh, some I, sport. I played the shit out of it. Some oh, heels. Yeah. What's up, man? Yeah, I am the kind. I kind of feel like I was born to the wrong parents, and this could be a. You know, maybe this is my own delusion, but I don't think so. I believe, and have believed, that if I were born to Earl Woods, let's say, <laughs> that I would have been on tour of something, because I am a maniac when I like when I focus on something, I'm like, do not mess with me. I, I have that focus, but I've always loved sports. And as my mother will tell you, you used to play hockey and I would wonder, will she murder someone today? It's because like, I <laughs> would like go after the ball. I was vicious. I have five kids. I've got one kid where I'm like, she's my people. Like she'll take someone down. So yeah, I played field hockey and lacrosse and then I played in college. Um, I'm super into sports. And um, then I went to boarding school in Hershey, Pennsylvania, at a school called the Milton Hershey School, which is a school for kids that come from the wrong side of the door of opportunity. Milton Hershey and his wife couldn't have kids of their own. So they started a school for orphaned boys and then changed the deed of trust in 1976 to accept girls. All the kids that go there go for free. Nice. And uh, you have to qualify you have to be emotionally financially needy so most of the kids i went to school with were orphaned or from single parent families and it's a very diverse school and so i went there for high school it was great and then i went to college in dc for um poli sci and i worked in government and communications and so my first job out of college was working for a pr firm that represented former senators that had gone back to their law firms so that's kind of how i fell into law firm pr and so i did that for about 14 years at age 27 i think i started my own firm and i specialized in crisis media litigation and uh, media strategy for global law firms so then i started to have kids and my husband's best friend said you know you really need to write because you're so funny and you uh, like love all this pop culture stuff, but you do legal PR, it's very weird. So I started writing, I started having kids and then I, so I started this blog that kind of took off um, and I would do television recaps. And then I was invited on podcasts to talk about housewives. And then I thought I could do this. So I pitched an idea to a network, the idea of tracking down reality stars that had gone back, uh, or excuse me, tracking down reality stars to ask them how did it change the trajectory of your life? And so I, I kind of began with that. And I, I knew I wanted to structure each episode like a talk show where there's a front, like a guest in the front, an opening, a guest in the front, like a featured guest, 
and then a segment where I'm asking a rando uh, to review a show and then a close, all with the hope that it was like a love letter to reality shows. Over time, that's changed to include docu-series and documentaries because because I've always loved documentaries and docu-series. So it's, um, you know, sort of expanded over the last four years. So, you know, I was a girl who thought she would be a politician who got into legal PR I was a young woman working in a very misogynistic world, but held my own. And uh, and then I transitioned into comedy and writing and now podcasting. And I'm hoping that this experience will be a platform, and I know it is, um, to help me produce television shows. Uh, uh, 100%. And uh, because we're going to actually get to that now that the idea you came up with Real Housewives of OC um uh is now actually going to happen according to i was listening to jess's show jess roth is it rothschilds rothschild and um she was mentioning that uh i don't know if it was andy or somebody said they are going to reboot real housewives of oc which is something Mm -hmm. that you suggested and uh I, i concur uh but you did actually make a detour you actually got off the bus you were at the white house you worked and yeah in there i was a, oh yeah I, that's right yeah i, I was slept my mind i was an <laughs> for the press office i went and did all the clips for the oval office and the executive team when the monica Lewinsky story broke oh yeah i was there when yeah. princess diana died and i remember the next morning like cutting the newspapers of all these papers and it was like she's gone or you know diana's gone it was like all over and that was before copy and paste i had to go and I'm, gonna, I'm not going to say his last, his first name was Dag, Dag. He was my boss and he hated me because I would cut the clips and then I would take them to him and he would say, you need to redo them because they're not perfectly straight. I was like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. President Clinton is like, let me just go through this, throw it away. He doesn't give a shit. Right. Um, but yeah, that was kind of a nutty time. That was super nutty. Yeah. I could see how like a position like that would kind of slip your mind. I, I don't know if I would even <laughs> recall. But anyway. I know. <laughs> but anyway. Well, I don't know because yeah. I, for me, it's not that big of a deal because I have so many friends that stayed in politics and they're so incredible that I feel like my dumb story does care. Like my high school classmate was the social secretary for President Obama. What have you done lately, Kate? <laughs> oh, I talked to somebody from The Bachelor. Like you're no, you're you're you know, um, <laughs> you're you're so amazing that what you what you do that i just these guys have been they're probably sick of hearing but now they're like they're they're like totally on board but they were probably sick of hearing your name am i right guys i i was i was talking to these two guys earlier and was saying or is the show opening i was saying tj has a top three list of who he wants on the podcast number one lebron james number two oh, yeah. kate casey <laughs> And that so, is so nice. I'm That's actually surprising. surprised. I'm actually surprised that DJ is able to speak right now with how highly he thinks yeah. of you. But that, now that is so nice. It wasn't hyperbole when I put that on Twitter. Like that's for real. Yeah, he said Did you had you? a lot of. He said you had a lot of diversity to your background, but after hearing yeah. these stories, is like, oh, that's that's no joke. That's more than what uh, DJ let on. Yeah, I do feel like I could talk to anybody. I could talk to anybody. I really do. Um, I've just always been around a bunch of different kinds of people. And I think that as crazy as my parents are, they're very innately curious people and did a very good job of instilling in me the need to be curious. And I do that with my own kids. If they go on a play date, I say, 
you got to come back and tell me two interesting things about their parents because it's a practice that a lot of people don't do i mean i just am fascinated when people come like tell me about the person you met and they don't know anything like you're an asshole like (laughs) what's wrong with you like i don't know i'm like love a dinner party i love a dinner party where i can just like and i guess one thing my kids don't like about me well one thing let's get the list crazy um (laughs) one thing that they don't like is that i do really get sucked into people like i want someone to feel like they are the most interesting person in the world and i know i've talked about it before but the only person in the world that has this weird thing about memory and people and details that i've ever encountered or read about is bill clinton where i it's like i have a conversation with someone and i all the details about that person go into my brain and they never leave it so I'm excited when I see somebody that I talked to three years ago in the grocery store and I'm asking them like, did you ever get that job? And how's your um, aunt Edna? And like, did your son make the soccer team? And people are like, you need to stop stalking me. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, I'm really not. I I haven't seen you in three years. (laughs) I I just thought you were really interesting, but inevitably I get sucked into conversations and they're like, can we please go? And I'm like, how am I supposed to go when they just told me they have breast cancer? Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> no. Anyway. That, that is what's interesting about you. And uh, it's because for me, a person that's interesting is somebody that has is interested in many other things. Will will tell you, Nick will tell you from being around jiu-jitsu academies from here to Cleveland and, and California and Florida is that uh, a lot of guys, that's all they do. Like that's like their only thing. You know, and that's great because that's how they're going to be great at it. And for me, I have to be, I'm into so many different things that I wouldn't even bother you with the list that of things that I'm into. Uh, and that's what I find interesting about you is that you can have on people of all these different docuseries. And please, guys, before I go, don't let me forget to ask something that I've tried to get out of Kate on Twitter, which is, her favorite teams and favorite athletes. So I, I want to make sure we get that before, <laughs> before you know we let her go. You know who I'm so fascinated by, and I've said this on my show, is I don't know why, but Lance Armstrong. Yeah. I just, I could watch a documentary every day about him and not be bored. I just think his pathology, like his, his everything <laughs> is so, I'm endlessly fascinated by him. I really am like, what? And now I'm kind of like, I need, I, I'm dreaming of the ability. I really would like to interview Michael Phelps. Definitely. I feel like he's fascinating. Um, I mean, I don't, Tiger Woods is never going to give me an interview, but God almighty, I just love deep diving on Tiger Woods. Oh, there's so many people. There's so many female athletes that are in sports that are not marquee sports that I would love. To Sue Bird. Dive on. Sue Bird. Sue yeah. Bird. She's like, what is she like 40, 41 years old now? And I think wasn't so, she yeah. like MVP of the WNBA? Mm-hmm. I mean, she's absurdly skilled and talented still. And she's, she's like Brady. She's just so driven, you know? That's what I just, I'm, I'm fascinated by someone's drive. Um, and what, because of their drive, what other things suffered? So and I, I always feel like my goal is to ask the question that's never been asked. And mm-hmm. that, for me, that feels like pretty easy because I feel like sports reporters ask the same stupid questions. Oh, but I'm God. always, but I think it's because I'm also interested in the people that surround them 
and the dynamics and and that lays into a lot of who they are in the decision-making process now like if i'm going to interview tom brady i want to know about his relationship with um his sisters now um like how much does he lean on them because he seems like so connected to his parents Mm-hmm. Uh, but also his wife. I feel like she's so involved in so many decisions that he makes in terms of his health. His health is interesting too because he has such a different diet than he was had 10 years ago, but he seems to be like more fit than ever. And also the coaches. I think the coaches are... There's a great uh, series on Netflix where they go behind the scenes of coaches and kind of interview them. And I like shows like that because it says so much about the player. Anyway. Something you might... Um, something you might be fascinated with is one called the two bills it was a 30 for 30 and it shows i think i know it yeah yeah, bill belichick basically the dean of all i mean the winningest coach of all time and he sits down with bill parcells and he all of a sudden goes from clearly the greatest coach in the nfl to that guy was my boss like that Mm -hmm. guy is the senior guy not me in this room and you can see that when you watch the two of them sit there and fidget, you know, in their in their chairs, and and it was really interesting to see Bill Belichick in that context because he is so great. But he comes from the from the uh, Bill Parcells tree. So if you you know what was one of the most interesting things I I learned from Shannon Furman, who's a producer of NFL films, by the way, worked her way up. Great story. She was taking video of her brother at ice hockey games, and one of the parents said, "I know somebody who works at NFL films. You're really talented." Um, can I send the footage over? She got a job and worked her way up and is like a lead, uh, like lead executive there now. Anyway, I asked her because she works on Hard Knocks about the extraordinary scenes that she's been able to to film. And one in particular was with a football player who had taken her to an AA meeting outside of it. Wow. And I just thought, I don't know who else would have been. How did you coax that out of them? And she said, surprisingly that football players in the NFL prefer female crew because most of those players come from single parent families led by a single mother. So they trust the women producers more than they trust the men. And I was like, that makes a lot of sense. That's interesting. So it's like those kind of things. I love finding out little nuggets like that. They're willing to have a, have some vulnerability yes. with a woman that they wouldn't happen if I was like, "Hey, what's up there, honey badger man? How you doing?" Yeah. You know, like they wouldn't do that. So, but they, no, like I, it's the the level, it, like especially for she was saying for black athletes, single mothers are so like put on a pedestal because they're quite often the ones that raise them on their own. So the 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 respect they actually have for the female producers is far surpasses the respect they have for men. And I just thought, I love that. Super cool. I love that. That's awesome. Super cool. Um, I wanted to jump into that the, the housewives or uh, the Bravo universe a little bit and your love of docu series. And it's to me, there's a little bit of a weird incongruity, and I'm starting to hear it come out of you a little bit. Mm-hmm. I heard it come out of you uh, last season when you spoke about Potomac, and you're like, "How do they cast these women who geographically wouldn't even yeah. know each other? Like they're no. from like different ends of you know, like you wouldn't know someone in Virginia if you're from Baltimore, wherever the the, the spread is." And I haven't watched the show, so. Let me say that. Um, and then um, now what you're expressing with RHOC, 
and what you've talked about relative to Salt Lake City that we have a, a cast member in Jen who's already got all these different handlers and people to make her up and all this sort of thing. But yet you love reality. And the problem that I'm having, DJ, in watching these reality shows is I don't see what I loved about the real world. I don't see what I love yeah. about the challenge. I don't see mm -hmm. what I love about Below Deck. I see what that young lady told you from Southern Charm last week. Forgive me. If, can you repeat her name? Cameron uh, Eubanks, Wimberly. Cam Cameron, yes, that who was on Real World San Diego. And she said, oh, you asked her what's the difference between Real World and Bravo. She goes, oh, well, they just turned the cameras on and we just did our thing and they filmed it. Here, I have producers telling me and they're setting things up and they're making scenarios. And so how is it? that uh how do you find that balance where you love conceivably maybe you love it less maybe you love it the same reality tv and mm -hmm. these real life docuseries that absolutely seem to fascinate you well i think i love it a lot less and i think um, a lot of people do i don't really think i'm alone in that i think that the show has been on too long i do and I think that there are moments where there are people on different franchises that are incredibly vulnerable and authentic and uh, are compelling. And I stay tuned because of those women. But as a general rule, I just think that it's a stale, it's a stale kind of premise. It, I like the first season of Orange County where you, it's the classism issue where you have Vicky who is at home in her like home office and she's the boss and Lori's behind her. And Lori clearly doesn't have a college education. She's gotten a divorce and she's just trying to pay some bills. But Vicky hangs that over her. And then towards the end of the season, Lori meets somebody who's really wealthy. And then the dynamics in the office change. We're now. <laughs> Vicky feels like dog shit because Lori's new boyfriend drops off a Mercedes with a bow on top. <laughs> and you're like, ain't that some shit? You know, like that to me was like, wow. Because that is like a snapshot into suburban America where somebody could have a divorce and then next year it could flip on. And, and conversely, Vicky could be killing it in insurance and then something happens and then she's, in, you know, not making much money and she has this come to Jesus conversation. So I loved that. And I think that there's a lot of that missing because it's so formulaic that women that are cast know what to expect and they go in with this business agenda or maybe I shouldn't say that, but they with this idea that they're going to join the show and they're going to be huge stars on Instagram and sell like, you know, whatever, mini skirts or something. And it's like, no, I wanted to see you just live your life. I want to be a boyer right. looking at you and how you manage all the aspects of your family. I don't want to see your infomercial on, you know, QVC because that's not what the show's about. It's supposed to be about real people living. So that's, I'm always troubled by that too. And then I feel like I'm complicit in them all becoming monsters. Because like Jen Shaw, she, the show hasn't even aired and she's like, I got a squad. I'm like, I don't even know who you are. Like what? Yeah. Um, so I do tend to, I think, you know, uh, once I saw, and also a lot of the problem was the access that I was getting. Like in the be well, I mean, I think in the beginning when I had my show, people were like, "What's a podcast? Sure, fine, whatever, talk to them." And then they were like, 
well, you're getting information out of these people that we don't necessarily want to get out or um, we would rather somebody else get it or we want it to be an Us magazine or on Entertainment Tonight and not mm -hmm. on a podcast. So then I got kind of cut off for a long time. So a big part of it is my disinterest and more interested in more authentic, gritty, interesting stories. But also it was a matter of like, I have to expand my show because... I can't call the people at ABC and get the next Bachelor contestant because they're going to go to the Bachelor podcast. Mm -hmm. So it was a way of pivoting in business, but I feel like I'm in a good place now where it's starting to pay off. But I have to tell you for a long, long time, I mean, I would just every night just be like, God, what, like, is, how am I going to reach a new audience? How am I going to reach people? Honest to God, if somebody comes up to me on the street and like, Hey, I just caught your last episode. I'm like, you did? <laughs> what? And I'm almost like a loser because people are like, okay, okay, like bye. I'm like, no, 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 you want to hang out? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, let's hang out. Like, what's your Instagram? Let's keep in touch. <laughs> and they're like, I just listened to your show, freak. Oh, um, so I love it. I, I love it. I feel like in life, I always feel like I'm at the bottom of a mountain, and perhaps that's been part of my success. I read this Harvard Business Review article. I'm going to say it was like 12 years ago. And it said that your business acumen is directly tied to your relationship with your father. And so they said in my category, which was an abandoned, abandoned father, like a father that abandons you, mm -hmm. that you're always working at maximum capacity because you want to get the recognition that you'll ultimately never get. And so they put that in that category, Lance Armstrong and Barack Obama and Bill Clinton. And I, that's probably why their stories, I tend to like relate to them because ultimately my dad's never going to be like, you are killing it. Like you're great. Like you're so great. So I think that people like myself, I think we're Enneagram threes. Um, we're, I just, I'm like, I never feel like I've succeeded ever, ever, ever. My God, if, if you haven't succeeded, then I guess I don't know what success is. But uh, I, 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 was, uh, I was really taken by, I was listening to Jess's show today, and there was a gentleman on, I believe, called Pet Shop Boy. And I was, I'm really disturbed by this archetype. And what they said was, um, they were talking about Ramona being at a party, and that mm -hmm. somebody had come and said something to Ramona. And the, this gentleman uh, who was on with Jess, and by the way, I love Jess Rothschild, so also, uh, I believe it's called Hot Takes and Deep Dives. Yeah, Deep Dives. Um, yeah. And uh, I, like I said, you guys are my triumvirate of, of reality TV. <laughs> I love you guys. I love but, her. But um, he said that uh, he was very upset that Ramona didn't turn around and go and engage with this woman. She just said, okay, I'm just going to walk away kind of thing. And he wanted her to turn around, wheel around, and make a show of it. And I personally don't find value in fake fights, fake arguments, well, produced Well, I think it's because drama. there's a huge segment of the viewers now, and that's the problem with the show. And I've had conversations privately with a lot of housewives that have said to me that the problem with being on a show now is that they feel like they have to be over the top in order to ensure themselves a new, new season because the viewers will create memes, the meme culture, and they're like, boring. And for some of these people, this is the first job they ever had. And they're drunk with fame. 
maybe this is a paycheck that's part of uh, that they are garnering that's going to help them at, with their divorce. They become too reliant on the show and what the show gives them. So they compromise their own values in order to be what lots of these viewers want and they totally lose themselves. And I, like I see it, one of the housewives in Atlanta right now, and it's just such a bummer. Um, so. Will. Yes. Hey, one of Kate's five children. How are you? What do you want? Okay, I'm in an interview. Um, yeah, and we'll let so you go and, and at, anyway, at any I moment. Think, I think that, um, I think that that's the problem is that they're so stressed out all the time about being the like being a personality they they want to be a personality and they're no longer a human right and i is it going to continue in this trend or do you think that bravo will field so so if they if uh, andy Re reboots uh, rhoc as you suggested will it be this the exact same archetypes with different names and faces well it has to change because our world is changing so do they want five Vickies? No, they don't because she, she doesn't really represent the modern woman anymore. I don't think. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that the network rightfully would love, a, especially in orange County to see younger and more diverse. Mm -hmm. Certainly. I mean, haven't we seen enough white women? I mean, yes. I don't know. And I'm yes. a white woman. I'm sick of it too. <laughs> me, me, I love I mean, diversity. So I, and I, I want to, I want to see different cultures. I want to see, I want to see women who are educated, who had previous professional careers. I feel like you can't have all housewives because it's like, they're all living in the same, um, they're all living in the same chapter. I want to see people that are in different chapters, like they're hesitant about giving up their career because they just started to have children. But I also want to see somebody who has had success in the second chapter. So they're in a second career and they have children that are maybe in middle school mm -hmm. because I think there's so much value in women communicating and sharing their life experience. I learned so much from other women and I think that they've lost sight of that. I also know that more women want to see more stories that are uplifting. A hundred percent. I want to feel inspired by people who have built a business and not an image. I agree. They don't want to see people that have Instagram posts that are filtered and all of that. And they've got bots as you know, the followers they want to see. This is a, some, someone who started at the bottom, built something significant and is a good person on the way up. Okay. And the cat fights, I really could do without all, it's not inspiring to see um, just people behaving badly for the sake of airtime to make yeah. sure that they, that they get airtime and the producers, I don't, you would know, I don't know. The producers are probably telling them, Hey, you know, you better spice it up a little bit. Otherwise, you know, you only had 17 minutes on camera last week. I feel like it differs because there's so many different production companies. Um, I, I don't know. I feel like they're under tremendous pressure too, because they want to make great shows and they're, they're filming so many hours and they're trying to get some authenticity. And then the network, I've heard people say, produ production people say, the network saying to her, saying to us, get more out of her, like get more out of her personal story. Mm -hmm. And they're like, I've tried, she's not willing to give it. Like, what do you do when you have somebody 
I don't know, like a, I'm just using her as an example, not for any particular reason, but like a Ramona, she's not really somebody who's willing to be that vulnerable. Like those experiences are pretty few and far between. So if you're saying to a producer, you better get it out. That's maybe where people like kind of push them a little bit. But then sometimes in filming and not just, this isn't just about housewives. This is all these reality shows where the crew are tired. They've been, they had to set up, then they're filming, they have to take down and they know that they've got to film. And they're like, Hey, can you just confront her about so-and-so? Cause I want to go home to my kids. <laughs> and then they're like lap dogs. They're like, okay, oh, what do you want? Because they're all people pleasers in their right. own way. Yeah. And they're like, okay, sure. And that's what Cameron was saying in the last interview is that the, the new people that kind of come on these shows, they're easily molded. Mm-hmm. And they're willing to do whatever because they want to be stars on Instagram. Right. So they're like, fine, I'll, I'll fight her. Like, whatever you want. Let's do it. Well, for my part, I hope that you do get uh, your own production company and get to make a show because well, I, I think we're going to get working quality. On, I am working on one, so I will leave you with that. I'm it's, with you. It's going to be awesome. I, I'm, I'll be so excited. And you know that you have, uh, well, you have three viewers sitting right here. Um, let's do a speed round, something that you like to do so we can get you yeah. out of here. Okay. Uh, so for the speed round, uh, do you believe in UFOs now that the Navy no, has released? I, what? No, let, me, let me preface. Let, let me frame uh-huh. the question. The Navy released uh, three videos, uh, one encounter off of San Diego of uh, a top actual former Top Gun pilot flying off of the Nimitz. And then you mm-hmm. had uh, two off of the USS Roosevelt in Jacksonville. Have you seen those videos? I have not, but I will tell you this. Okay. I lived in Virginia Beach, Virginia. I have a mm-hmm. lot of very good friends in the military. Mm-hmm. One of my friends is the first female Top Gun pilot. Okay, hell. Ooh. So I've known for years that they've always kind of explained that. What's going on is that there are they have such advanced technology and um transportation if you will that i think they're flying them and people are like oh my god i've never seen something like it it's a ufo it's just you have to understand that the government is producing things that are so forward the things that you see in the sky they probably built like 25 30 years ago the things they're building right now i think people would be like holy shit balls all right well i'll just tell you this i have i don't know maybe 13 years of military aviator experience. But all that said, there is a Top Gun pilot who is an air wing commander on the Nimitz that says, I saw this do this that defied the laws of physics. Okay. And, okay. So I'll I say, have... I will, I will email yeah, you the, 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 the three videos that were released by the Pentagon. And then you can take a look at them and, and tell me what you think. And I've had, uh, so weird you say the Nimitz because when I lived in Virginia beach, I knew people on the Nimitz. Oh yeah. I mean, they're all around, but it happened to be that, uh, the air wing that they were using at the time. Uh, mm-hmm. so this, this video was 2004. Uh, and, uh, there was a couple of real stalwarts in the Pentagon's, uh, advanced aerial threat identification program that got three videos released. This was one of them. And I heard this guy interviewed on, I don't know how many different shows and him saying him and also his co-pilot was a female. She tells the, uh, excuse me, not co-pilot wingman, his wingman Mm -hmm. was Mm -hmm. a female and they tell the exact same story. So why don't you send it to me? Then I I will, will, I will go to my friends and then I will report back to you what they tell me. 
Yeah, and I'm also going to send you one that uh, came out in Puerto Rico that I've shown to, uh, let's say, five or six different military aviators that I flew with. So probably over 20,000 hours of flying, and none of us can figure out what this is. And it's a very good video taken by Customs and Border Patrol. This did you ever, did you... This mm -hmm. may be one of the worst rapid fire questions. I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. By the I'm way, did you guys watch Surviving Death on Netflix? I was scared no. to. Okay, so good. watch good. episode six about reincarnation because there's this little boy, James, um, who was absolutely a World War II pilot. And his parents tell the story of how he would wake up in a nightmare all the time and recounted over time all these details about his time as a pilot that he that his plane crashed during the battle of iwo jima he named the person that was in yes. the plane with him yes i saw it he, i saw it. He, it that's bananas it is great, i'm actually i'm going to interview that dad actually that was totally nuts there was the one who yeah. uh where the actor was his was yes. uh his uh, father great. yeah, yeah. Uh, that totally freaked me or no he was he was the reincarnation he of was the, the father. Reincarnation of the father. Yeah, yeah, it freaked me out. Yes, I did see that. So you guys so should watch that. It's inexplicable. Um, final question for you, Kate. Are you ready? That was it. I got speed round. I got one question. Well, because was I, it quite I didn't want to keep you more than an hour, and it's ten sixteen. So all right. So let me get this one in. Uh, top your top five favorite bands of the amazing Kate Casey. Oh, this is not a great question for me because I'm not a music person. Bands, okay. I don't know. I will tell you this. I like I love eighties bands. They mm -hmm. are the they put the wind in my sails. I love a good Motown. Mm -hmm. Um I don't really pay attention to music. I'm like, okay, sure, whatever. I, I <laughs> But you're you're a performer, I Kate. <laughs> I know, but I'm like, I don't I don't deep that I, I I'm digging Dolly Parton now after that. Oh, hell yeah. I watched of her. She's amazing. But I don't in my life. I've always been a, a fascinated by comedians, journalists and athletes. I did. I dig it. And so your your favorite athletes, if you were to name the top three of those, can you give me three? Um, Billie Jean King. Mm -hmm. Lance Armstrong. And. That's a tough one. Who's the third one? I, I'm fascinated by LeBron right now. I'd like to yes. learn more. So, but although I have to say, living in Newport Beach, I have a real soft spot in my Kobe. heart for Kobe. For Kobe, and my, of course. My, and, and, and my whole family does. Like, you know, that's a really, like, I could cry thinking about it, you know, the day he died because there's so many people in my town that died. So, um, yeah, Kobe. And I, I really admire what he, what he did in his later years of life and i know how what a fantastic dad he was so i have great respect for him too but uh being that lebron is still alive there is a chance he could be on reality life with kate casey oh my god it would be so amazing you know what i was so bummed because i went to the park uh, like two weeks ago and i ran into this girl and she said you're not going to believe who was just here um uh, and it was um oh my god what's his first name one of the lakers yeah, the tall, tall, tall. Oh, Anthony Davis? No, no, old, 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 old. Oh, uh, Marcus All? No. Not Dwight Howard. Was it this year or last season? No, old, old, old. Oh, Jabbar. Kareem. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I don't oh, know why okay, I just had it. a brain fart, but I would love to interview him because he's sort of like a cultural anthropologist, mm -hmm. and I, w I would love to chat with him, and he lives close to me, and I kind of want to stalk him. 
<laughs> I, I I read his book, uh, and it's fast. His book called Giant Steps, and it was a fascinating book. So yeah, I would definitely oh. concur. And I would I, love I, to see you approach him though, Kate, because I know some stories <laughs> be very standoffish with people that he, he like he's just introduced to, or people that he sees. Just yeah, Kate? I think I would say, listen, I don't mean to sound weird, but I feel like you and I are twin flames, and here's why. I <laughs> oh, I'd love to see. <laughs> I love a great book and I love a great reality show. And I feel like you and I could sit at a dinner party for hours and talk. I have been dying for you to come on my show. And I think at this point, you and I both agree that we probably should have been best friends at least for the last 10 years. Oh my God. There's nobody that could say no to that. I want to tell you. And he'd be like, all right. And I say, I am supposed to be taking care of my children, but let's be honest. I can do shits right now because I'm into you and to you. I'm going to die. So, you know, I really, I I want you guys to know that I'm not just a Kate Casey fanboy. (laughs) I'm a serious interviewer, as you can see by. Oh Oh my my God. God, I love that. My gosh, that was a, I really? was saving for the That's end. No joke. <laughs> I mean, you're just barely above LeBron, Kate. Uh, yes. You know yes. what's so funny too? My my kids are like, what? Because my friends from college and my family call me Katie, Katie Casey, like <sighs> Al Jean. Hashtag Al Jean. Yeah, she was like Katie. It's like, <laughs> I mean, I I have a, like a soft spot in my heart. It's like, oh, they know have known me for so long. But can you imagine how hard it was for me to have that dumb name? It's I mean, not a dumb like, name. Katie, Katie, Casey, Katie, Casey. Don't come and be like, what's your name, Katie? I'm like, oh, forget it. Forget it. Anyway. I demand that everybody on this show have a beer tonight and toast to Kate Casey this weekend. I love that. Thank yes. you. And I, I will have that. a nice, cold, tall Irish beer, of course. <laughs> so, of, of course. In honor of your but dad, of okay? Liam. But Liam, of course. Yes, Liam would, would have nothing less. Um it's such an honor to have you on, Kate. Uh, Thank I hope you that- so much for saying that. And I want you to know how much I appreciate that. And um, it's really, it means a lot to me. I appreciate it. It's a, it's a hard job. And, and to just know that you you listen to the episodes and it's just really means a lot. I love them. And I hope that you'll come on again because uh, you really, uh, again, kind of like Mandy, you took over the show and entertained the hell of us. And we loved every second of it. So, you know, these guys are like, thank God that nutbag's out of here. No. Whoa. Oh, my God. No, they they now know what I'm talking about. Don't you, Nick? Jiu-jitsu. The, let's, you... do, let's jiu-jitsu the shit out of it. Yeah. <laughs> Nick, let, let me let you. Nick is the dean of all of us here. As far as belt levels go and skill level goes, Nick is uh, is number one. I would say Will is number two, and I'm number three. Oh, that's so, generous. So. When, when my son was in karate... Master Yu used to do this thing where he was trying to teach them don't talk to strangers. So he'd be like, you don't talk to strangers. You see that guy? He's going to come. He's going to take you away. He's going to take you away from your family. And of course, I'm like made of steel. So I was like, yeah, you listen to him. You listen to him. And my son just <laughs> me goes, I don't want you to go away. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Kate like, should be oh. in Cobra Kai season four, man. You know, I was like, oh, my God, you're like your dad. Shit. My, my, by the way, my son who looks like George Bush isn't that weird? <laughs> How did that happen? It's so funny. I mean, man. I'm not complaining because he's a real cute dude, guy, but um, that's really weird. But you know, Cobra. This wait. By the way, I'm not mm-hmm. a great parent because I said I don't believe I you. Said, but go ahead, Jack. We need to watch Cobra Kai because this is my jam. Like Karate Kid, straight up. Let's do it. 
And he was like, all right, wacko. And he was totally into it. And I would get pissed off because he'd watch do the episodes without me. And my I... husband's like, I don't know. There's like a lot of cursing and stuff. I was like, he's going to be fine. It's <laughs> <laughs> the real world, right? Right. It's like you yeah, are not exactly. a terrible mother. You are yeah. a wonderful mother. If you're sitting watching Cobra Kai with your kids, I think you so. are showing them the light. Because I watch so much TV as a child and I feel like I can talk to anybody and I'm super cool. I'm not going to like murder anybody. I'm not going to like commit a crime. I'm cool. So if they watch a lot of TV, they'll be fine. <laughs> they you will. Are, you are my, mom, my mom used to let me watch General Hospital. And there was a whole storyline about Luke and Laura and how Luke raped Laura, but then they got married and you're like, I remember going to my mom like, is that <laughs> huh? Luke, and my mom's like, oh, the... she was like, but it's a beautiful wedding. <laughs> Luke so... had the cool afro though. He had the cool fro, man. <laughs> Whatever. I remember that. I'll be fine. <laughs> oh my god, this is just like as good as I thought this was going to mm. be. Guys, I, it was better. Be it was better. This went off the rails. Uh, no, you no, probably no, had. You were like, okay, no, well, this, this is, and I mean, this, I, talk, I just stupid stories. This was amazing, okay. and let everybody from my sister-in-law. I was teaching yoga tonight. They had to hear about mm -hmm. you. Uh, the people who ran the gym had to hear about you. So, you know, everybody's just tired of hearing about your name. But everybody is going to hear your name, particularly either when I message them this podcast or they're watching the show that you produce. So. Kate, Casey. Oh, that'd be so great. Don't have any unfortunate yoga instances as I had an unfortunate yoga, karaoke incident. Or oh. <laughs> oh, I'm probably going to go in there tonight and get my ass kicked. I've been gone. I've been gone for work for a week or two. By the way, oh, I wanted good. to mention to you about a studio in uh, Newport Beach. Have you heard of Akum? A-K-U-M? No. No. Why do uh, I do, do I need to party with those cowboys? No, I but the, I, I don't know. But the the te there's a teacher there named Sam, and Sam mm. was my teacher back in Irvine when I lived in Irvine when I lived by Will, and actually all three of us lived in SoCal about three years ago. Um, but uh, Sam is amazing, and um, he's the one who drove a lot of things into me into yoga. So if you ever feel like going to class and you go to Acom. Uh, okay. I recommend Sam, but he's he's tough. Very, he's an Aussie. He's uh, he was going through a PhD program at UC Irvine. Uh, he's like an Aussie or a Kiwi, and he's very very tough. So did he ever see Wild Wild Country about the ashram? <laughs> oh and... God, that was before I I, I left. Oh I left three years ago, so I didn't see that until I moved here. But that was wild, man. Plus so the good. the Bikram Chowdhury uh, ESPN thirty for thirty. It was like a three or four part series. Yeah, that one so, was gnarly too. Yeah, yeah. man, sick stuff. I mean, so. by the way, that guy in a diaper with the fan. <laughs> I was like, what? I'm not massaging his feet, right? <laughs> I was just like, I, this is why I would never be in a cult because no. I would be the jerk that was like, "You're in a diaper." What? Yeah. Yeah, like get away from me. I know. And you did your deep dive on Nixium is un, is it Nexium? Is that what it's called? I, I, Unparalleled. I I believe that I am a scholar at this point. You killed it, man. You killed oh, that you. thing, man. Well, I, I need you to listen to tomorrow's episode because I deep dived Britney Spears, and I'm mm -hmm. like, I, I I've hit a Britney Spears wall 
where it's like, I can't, I can't read anymore. I feel like I went real <laughs> deep into it. Your eyes are, cr- as if I would miss your episode, Kate. Like, as if that's something that could happen. It was interesting happen, because yeah. these young, young girls were like Britney Spears, you know, she was like such a part of our childhood and she's like so emblematic and I, and I understood it, but I, I was like, wow. Okay. Cause I just, I was never like into musicians like that, but I, it was just interesting. It's fascinating. I, like I said, I had heard uh, Andrew Jenks' piece on it uh, that oh, he I did a, a year ago, right? It, that him. was a, a great... He came on my show. Did he really? To you talk about Britney or something else? No, we talked about the the um, Varsity Blues scandal. Okay, I'm not familiar. I'm, I'm like, I've probably interviewed... <laughs> <laughs> Everybody? <laughs> Just because every episode, I feel like I have so many different kinds of segments. So I'm always like, oh, yeah, I talk to them. And I sometimes I forget. I'm like, oh, yeah. But I like him a lot. I did not know what a conservatorship was legally until listening to that. And I was just blown away. And so real quickly, do you feel like this is an absolute sham and there should be some sort of an appellate (laughs) process that can get her out of that? I feel like it's hard to say because you we we have not had the benefit of looking through all the medical and legal papers, and I just think it's a really hard call to make. Mm-hmm. And I also have friends that work in entertainment who know her and say she could make decisions maybe about herself, but not her finances. Interesting. So that needs the problem is that he filed to be a conservator before anybody else. So mm-hmm. she once you file for that, you can't get out of it. And um, okay. I, there's, uh, there's reason to believe that she was pushed to do so as because that would be the only way she could see her kids. Okay, but how could there be a legal process that isn't doesn't come up for a review, a, a chronological like review? The ish, the overarching issue is that it was a conflict of interest. There's too much of a conflict of interest, and that's I think at the heart of the matter. Yes, and I'm, somebody should. I mean, there should be a board, a medical board, that's convened to assess her her mental and her mental fitness to be able to do this instead of just saying, okay, from now until eternity, but, but your as, father runs it. But as the documentary explains, that people who have a conservator for their person, mm-hmm. that it almost never is ever rescinded. Like you're in that forever. Yeah. That's why your my advice after watching that is don't ever agree to a conservator unless you're like someone has like it's typically for people with like Alzheimer's. And she and she agreed to it then is what you're saying. Because it it has been suggested that she thought it would be the only way that she could still have access to her kids. Got it. Okay, I'm gonna yeah. have to. I'm gonna have to no, watch to it. Listen to it. Okay. Anyway, do, no, right. this is why my children get annoyed at me because I never stop. No, I thank. <laughs> Kate, really, I, I, it okay. was just, I didn't want to keep you for too long. We kept you for over an hour. We thought oh. we're hoping we're going to get 40 minutes with you and we're <laughs> blessed to have you for longer than that. So thank you so much, everybody. I really you, appreciate Kate. it. Thanks, thank Kate. you. Thank you, Kate. Awesome. Kate Casey, yeah. everybody. Thank I really you. appreciate you. Come back and see us. Will you? I will. And you, you need to come on my show too. Oh, anytime. Namaste. Namaste. All right. <laughs> All right. Bye-bye. Bye. See you, Kate. <laughs> Oh, uh, guys. How I, are you doing, DJ? Are well, you going to fall asleep now? Uh, no, yeah, like I feel like I'm spent. Uh, how to, I don't know what to say. It's just now you guys kind of know. Uh, you guys know why I wanted to have her on the show. So please, Nick and Will, discuss so I can shut up.
<laughs> no, she's awesome. I, you always have a, I always have a profound respect for the breadth. Um, and it's not only breadth, it's she's got some depth to each of her interest areas too. And so I think that sets up for a really good interviewer um, and with their future aspirations in terms of production, it's gonna add to that also. You know, I really enjoyed her analysis of how, at least the, her take on Real Housewives reality show in general is going. And that's what I intensely dislike about it. I think if you're now, if you're putting out content, there's so much opportunity to put out content where on my measuring stick is you can show young people, right? At developing stages and it could be of great value to them. I would never show my kids real housewives of whatever city, never. Because for my daughter, that's the opposite of what I want her to become. And then for my son, that's the opposite who, uh, for him, who I want involved with, like as, you know, as that type of model. And so I don't find any, I don't find any worth in that. I mean, if it's just a cheap entertainment value, I think you can be entertained in, in different ways. And that's very, um, it's unreal as, as you guys discussed, it's very produced. Um, and I think it kind of picks at the worst in us in terms of what motivates us to watch those types of things. Why are we motivated? Oh, we're motivated because it's fake glamour. Uh, we're motivated because we like to see cat fights or arguing or whatever it may be. Um, and I think for as a society, I mean, call me the old Scrooge or conservative or whatever it is, that's not what our society needs. Our society needs a lot more depth. How can we make the people around us better? How can you make the world better rather than this type of stuff? And you can have fun doing those sorts of things, right? It's not all about being serious and, um, you know, world peace kind of thing, but you can, you can produce content that is genuine. You can produce content that people get um, an additional education out of, maybe that they wouldn't otherwise, and at the same time be entertained. Um, and I think the, the proliferation of all the various content mechanisms and types of shows is a, is a result of what we've seen in mainstream media, people just being frustrated and upset with it. That, that was actually one of the questions I was going to ask her. And before I actually, I will, I will play uh, devil's advocate to your question, but I just want to get Nick's thoughts on what we just heard. Oh, I thought she was great. I mean, yeah, I didn't really know a whole lot about her background i mean just based on you know on her website and everything but i mean it really makes sense on um i, I wouldn't say it makes sense but she really has a good sort of idea of you know what she you know, who she is uh why she likes the things she does what kind of um sort of <clears throat> appeals to her in regards to her and her interest to interview people and her interest in reality TV and everything like that. So I don't know I was, yeah, I was surprised on, you know, a lot of her insight and then just general knowledge, but given her background and you hear about all her sort of other things that she has, you know, in her upbringing and everything like that, it kind of makes sense on how, I mean, how, where she is right now, but can you guys believe that she started to tell her, her, she told us the story of her career and she left out the part about 
Oh, I worked at the White House and spoke at the Democratic Convention. <laughs> I mean, maybe, maybe to her it wasn't really a big deal. I mean, I, when I was recording well, real quick when I was recording my I'm band sorry. and the guy that produced us had an album that hit like the top 20 billboard or something. It was like top 50, top 20 from a band that he uh, produced and he pretty much That's true. like majority of the songs on there. And I would, I figured I'd drop that and be like, Hey, Oh yeah, he did that album, you know? And it was like a billboard and mm-hmm. he's like, yeah, 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 whatever. Like, I don't really care. It's amazing. It's Some people just... you'd think, you know, would be more into things that kind of would garner them attention on paper but in reality they're just like yeah it's just one of the things i did i've done plenty of other things and i think for her it was just like yeah that's just one of the things i've done but you know i've I've done she's done all this other stuff as well that might be more important to her currently and it was amazing and what i want to say i want to say uh to will is that First of all, I agree with what you say, and I think what somebody like her would say, I'm going to guess, if we would ask her that question, she would say, well, I don't show my kids that stuff. It's something that I watch. So not all television is meant for all audiences, and uh, I think you could tell by the tenor of my questions and how I feel about Bravo TV today that for the most part, I've fallen off of it for those reasons because – I want to see something that's real. I don't want to see people argue and fight because, as you said, you can put on cable news and see that stuff. But anyway, what I want to do is um, let's wrap this segment and then we will talk about if we're probably not going to do MMA tonight. But let us wrap this segment with Kate Casey in a neat bow because uh, it was absolutely amazing. Do you guys think does that sound good to you guys? Oh, yeah. All right, so we're coming back with Don Dockin, George Lynch, and the boys, because I want Nick to get a little bit of this. All right, guys, so like I said, uh, I want to thank uh, everybody for tuning in to hear the amazing Kate Casey. And uh, actually, it doesn't sound so hy- hyperbolic after talking to her. But uh, we will probably come back to you guys within the next day or two with a preview of UFC 258. So for my brilliant co-host, the uh, new full-time, full-power professor, my brother Willoughby Wu, and my man Nick Cazono, this is DJ San Marco saying peace out, one love, and we'll see you down the road. <laughs>